welcome to the Essential Self-Care Podcast, where we talk about all things self-care for those of us who are, let's face it, too busy for self-care. It's time to bring that same compassion that you offered everyone else in your life to yourself as well. In this podcast, you'll hear real life stories of how self-care transformed people's lives as they were going through life's storms. You'll learn practical, actionable tools to begin the self-care journey yourself as well. Because like I always say, small changes make a large impact. I'm your host, Dr. Sheetal Ajmani. I'm a physician, best-selling author, and the founder of Radiant Living Institute, where I guide people to get unstuck and learn to live radiantly again. Through my signature program, Reclaim Your Radiance, you'll reclaim your worth, renew your energy, and restore your happiness in your life, career, and relationships. To get started, download your free guidebook, Six Simple Yet Powerful Steps to Create Your Radiant Life at RadiantLivingInstitute.com. Quick disclaimer before we get started, the information in this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not medical advice. Always seek the advice of your own medical practitioner and or mental health provider about your specific situation. Now, let's get started. Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming Dr. Sidel Ross to the Essential Self-Care Podcast. Dr. Ross, also known as the Singing Doctor, is on a mission to design effective ways of making music an integral part of the healthcare experience. As a physician providing palliative and hospice care, Dr. Ross can often be singing to her patients. She is also the host of the podcast, Prescriptions in Song. Today, Dr. Ross is going to share her expertise on the role of music in well-being. Welcome to the Essential Self-Care Podcast, Dr. Ross. Thank you for having me, Dr. Rajmani. It's a pleasure to be with you. Yes, I'm so excited to have you here. And for our listeners, Dr. Ross and I actually had the pleasure to meet in person earlier this year at a conference where I actually had the opportunity to hear Dr. Ross speak a little bit more about her experiences, her expertise, and I also had the pleasure to hear her sing. So I'm a bit curious as we're getting started here, Dr. Ross, what led you to get interested in the ways that we can use music in the healthcare experience and specifically? specifically the ways that we can use music for our own well-being? Sure. Well, great question. For me, it began out of desperation, to be honest with you. I felt that I was taking care of patients. I was practicing in chronic pain management at that time, taking care of patients, many of whom were very sick. I'd had a lot of cancer pain patients also under my care. And I was seeing the the limitations, the shortcomings, the sort of you know the the limitations in the way that conventional medicine was functioning. It became very clear that pharmacologic agents, surgeries had a limited role at, after a certain point in the management of these patients, and I found myself wondering what else I could offer. And after doing some soul searching, thinking about special gifts that I might possess that I could offer, I thought, you know what, maybe music might be able to offer some comfort, some some degree of support when both the patients and I, we kind of find ourselves in a situation where there seems like there's nothing else to be done, but we still, we still have hope. We're still hoping for something. We're still hoping that there's something out there that can bring some degree of peace and comfort and solace. And so that's how I came up with the idea of offering music. So it certainly, and I found that it, yes, it's been helpful to the patients, but it's also just been helpful to me because it's really brought a, a, a renewed sense of joy to my practice. I was really burnt out at that time too. That's something we could explore at another time because that's a whole other topic. So it's certainly something that has helped not just my patients, but me as well. I love that. There's so much going through my mind right now with 
just reflecting on what you just shared there. And one of those is, you know, recently I was looking at the World Health Organization's definition of health and I don't have it pulled up in front of me. uh, So I'm going to go by kind of what I remember. But the general idea is that health is an overall state of mental, physical, social well-being, not just the absence of disease. And our current practice of healthcare, at least here in the U.S., is really focused, you know, on kind of treating symptoms, managing symptoms, disease treatment. And and I know you're in a very specialized field as well in terms of the patients that you are caring for. But what really comes to me in you sharing this is that, and thinking about that World Health Organization definition of health, is that it does encompass and it is important to take a look at all these different aspects of our lives. And sometimes that means bringing in other dimensions to our healing and well-being. And I feel like that's what I'm hearing. You're bringing through that music and that you felt called to in witnessing your patient's experience to bring to their experience. And I just think that's so beautiful. And, And I also think it's just so beautiful how you shared that bringing in this modality of music into the exam rooms, into the patient rooms is benefiting them. And as a provider, also providing healing for yourself as well. I think often many people who may not necessarily be in the healthcare space may or may not be aware of just how much as providers, we really do take on of what our patients are going through and that we really do care and You know, I've definitely had many, many experiences where long after coming home from a shift at work, I'm still thinking about and worrying about and caring about my patients. And so, you know, we need to find those ways to practice that self-care and bring that well-being for ourselves as healthcare professionals in that space as well. And that's why one thing that I find so beautiful about what you shared is that through bringing music, you're providing a healing space for your patients and for yourself. And so it just has such a ripple effect just all across the board. Absolutely. I think that it has, as I mentioned, really helped me. It's helped me on many difficult days. Now that I've pivoted into hospice and palliative medicine, it certainly fits very nicely into that space because many of my patients are living with life-threatening or life-limiting illnesses. And having having heard bad news, having heard that there's just a limited life expectancy, having heard that they're surgery is no longer an option because the cancer is now too advanced or has become inoperable. That kind of information shakes people to their core. Absolutely. I mean, that is life-altering news. It's things that none of us expect to ever hear, right? Correct. So when patients come to me in the throes of existential distress, I've come to, to realize now that there is something more that I can offer, even if it's in the moment. And The music has really been a source of comfort for patients and their loved ones, because whenever someone is living with a significant illness, it takes a toll not on just not just on their lives, but the lives of their loved ones as well. So it's really been a joy. It's in the cancer patients. I see it in terms of comfort, just reassurance, spiritual support. In my patients with dementia, I see it reaffirming personhood. I've had had a wonderful encounter with a, a, an elderly gentleman who loved music and he was actually a professional musician and but because of dementia could no longer was no longer certainly 
going out and performing and and doing what he loved. And his wife said to me that as he was declining, you know, one of the things he would express was that no one loved him anymore. He really lost that sense of who he was. And I remember going in and singing and he couldn't, before that, he was essentially, he was not communicative, not verbally, but I remember going in there and singing with him. I just started and he then joined in and it was as if he had, he kind of reconnected with the person that he has always been. And, you know, we kind of broke through the isolation that he had been feeling, the, the marginalization that he had been feeling. And, you know, studies have borne this out also. I I set out on a quest to see if other people are kind of doing this work and what their observations have been here in the U.S. and in other parts of the world. And there is, in fact, some amount of support for the, for the work that I've been doing, and people are kind of validating what I'm observing, that in older adults, choral singing has tremendous impact, positive impact, because it brings people together. It minimizes social isolation, which, as we know, is one of the biggest risk factors for the development of cognitive decline as people begin to age. It reaffirms a sense of personhood, as I, as I experienced with my patients, because, you know, I remember reading a, a quote from a music therapist who, had, who has been doing this work in the dementia population, saying, you know, patients would say and families would say, you know, mom just felt that after a while that she... But nobody cared about her anymore and because she just couldn't participate anymore she couldn't remember anything she was a shell of who she once was and but with the music she has come alive and she feels she looks so much more like herself the mom that we remember who was so full of life and just a joy and a pleasure to be with so it really has a transformative effect yeah it seems like it really from the stories that you shared has this way of helping people tap into aspects of themselves that they may have forgotten or that may have just simply gotten lost over time or through their experiences. And it really helps them reconnect with that and re uh, kind of tap into that once again. Absolutely. I also have seen music help to restore family relations. I had this a veteran who was a professional jazz musician and had been estranged from his family for many years. And he had a daughter who kind of stepped up when it became necessary to get involved in his care. But you could tell that she was hesitant to do that. She had some reservations about doing it. And because she admitted that her father was sort of a rolling stone and not, not really present when she was growing up and, and really needed him. But she understood now that he was in desperate need. And so she was prepared to step up and do whatever she could. But you could see that the relationship was strained. Knowing that music had always been a big part of his life, I offered that to him at the end of his life. His daughter was involved in that whole kind of interaction. And you could see there was a moment of reconciliation at that time. And I think music really helped to, to foster that, right? Yeah, that's very powerful. And you know, there is this movement in many countries around the world right now called social prescribing, where in healthcare spaces, they are actually prescribing arts, music, activities, community-based activities as well, because of many of the benefits that you just shared with us. Now, this podcast is called Essential Self-Care. And so I'm curious, we've talked about just so many different levels of the benefits of music in our well-being 
for someone who wants to maybe explore this idea more in their own lives in some way, how would you suggest that they get started in terms of maybe bringing music into their lives or exploring music as a path to their own self-care and well-being? Great question. So I think that, you know, if for many people have preferred kind of genres of music, right? It, types of music that they enjoy. And I think it starts there, kind of tap into what you enjoy. And one of the nice things about our world today is that we have all kinds of networks and social networks that are available to us right at our fingertips, where you can also kind of network with people who may also share the same preference, musical preference, share musical tastes. And I have found that to be certainly the case for me. As I started doing this work, I began to meet more and more people who Yes, of course, share my musical taste to some extent, but also have introduced me to other genres of music that have helped me to expand my, my musicality, my sense of, you know, my musical taste, my, my just overall sense and appreciation for music that I'm able to share with more and more people. So now I've taken, I've done some country music at the bedside <laughs> so that I can offer more patient-centered care. That's not a, a genre of music that I grew up with, that I was familiar with, you know, in my childhood. But again, through connections and networking, it's something that I'm kind of exploring and starting to appreciate. So I would tell people to start with who you are, what you enjoy, give yourself an opportunity to meet others, network, and remain open to learning and exposing yourself to other genres that are out there. And certainly, you know, I, I also encourage people to, um, to volunteer because the healing arts, as you just mentioned, Dr. Ajmani, is, is becoming kind of more and more, more and more accepted, more and more recognized as a, as a helpful treatment modality in healing spaces. And the need for volunteer artists is growing. And I think that an increased presence in the arts will only help to enhance the healthcare experience for for patients, their loved ones, for staff members, just everybody who, who, who sets foot into that space. And it is my hope that as time goes by, you know, this is something that is not going to be seen as just kind of integrative or complementary, but just part of, of medicine. Like just is just part and parcel of what we offer as healthcare practitioners. And just a part and parcel of life itself. You know, I uh, was just having a conversation earlier this week with someone and and actually kind of where this idea first really, I think, resonated with me was at the conference that I met you at someone had mentioned, you know, why do we feel like we can't do things just for play, just for the sheer fact that it gives us joy? Like, why has that idea and concept all of a sudden seemed so almost distant for so many of us, you know, we're in this culture of just productivity, productivity, achievement, and like, there is value in, in play and in joy. And so my invitation to our listeners is to take everything that Dr. Ross just shared, you know, reconnect with those things, those aspects of music or sound that give you joy, allow that to be a pathway also for you to connect and network with others and just expand your own experiences. And my in, my invitation is also to 
notice how you feel. Notice how you feel kind of before engaging in some of those musical experiences and notice how you feel during it and afterwards and just just observe. So Dr. Ross, I have really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for coming on to the Essential Self-Care Podcast and sharing your experiences and your expertise with us. I would love for you to share if our listeners would like to learn more about you, the work that you're doing, your podcast, where can they find you? Absolutely. So I have a kind of a central repository for all of my work that can be found on my website, sidelrossmd.com. So S as in Stephen, Y, D as in David, E-L-L-E-R-O-S-S as in Stephen, MD.com. Wonderful. And I will include that link in the show notes as well. Thank you again, Dr. Ross. Thank you for having me, Dr. Ajmani. It was certainly a pleasure chatting with you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a positive review, and share this episode with someone you know. And remember, your free guide, Six Simple Yet Powerful Steps to Create Your Radiant Life, is waiting for you at radiantlivinginstitute.com. Download it today.